Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology podcast that comes out every new and full moon to help guide you on your mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation journey. I'm your host, Aurora, and this episode is all about Aquarius season. We'll take a look at the mythology surrounding the sign of Aquarius and the energies of the upcoming new moon in the sign of Aquarius, and then we'll shift gears to look at the full moon in Leo, the sign that directly opposes Aquarius. Let's start off with the song Weirdo by New Order. Since Aquarius is ruled by the planet Uranus, it's all about the new, the avant-garde, and even the weird. And blazing a new trail, which is what we're going to talk about when we come right back after the song. The other day I came across someone I knew he was lost. I don't care what we have done, you never will believe it. It's a life that's made for me where I can be completely free. So long as I obey this sound. Just like the ocean, just like the mountains, 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 just
Aquarius is the 11th sign of the zodiac. It's the fixed air sign and the last and most advanced of the air triad coming after Gemini and Libra. It's ruled by Uranus, as I mentioned earlier, and more anciently, Saturn. It's also referred to as the water bearer. When it comes to Aquarian mythology, there are two main schools of thought. There is the flood myth version, which is similar to the biblical Noah, uh, whereas there's also the story of Zeus kidnapping young Ganymede, and we'll go through both these right now. In Greek mythology, Aquarius is sometimes associated with Deucalion, the son of Prometheus, who built a ship with his wife Pariah to survive the imminent flood. They sailed for nine days before washing ashore on Mount Parnassus, which this has a lot of parallels with the Noah flood myth from the Bible, but they um, differ in some ways. And there's some versions where um, the guy and his wife like actually throw the bones of their mother behind them as they walk. And then when they turn around, they see that the bones have grown into new people uh, to freshly populate the earth. In the Greek story uh, about Aquarius, um, it's a story of Zeus kidnapping a young boy by the name of Ganymede, who is actually the son of Troy. Um, and in this, in this story, uh, Zeus desired the youth as a cupbearer and sent Aquila, his pet eagle, to capture the boy and bring him to Mount Olympus. Eventually, um, Zeus got what he wanted and made Ganymede the cupbearer to the gods, and he would fill the Greeks' deity wine cups whenever they were empty. In ancient Babylon, Aquarius was depicted as a water bearer god, and the water god was so prominent that his image was carved onto the stone buildings. When he brought the annual month of rain, they called this the time of the curse of rain. In Arab mythology, Aquarius is not a person or a god so much. He's a bucket. Yep. You heard that right, a bucket. Um, this might be related to the Arab religious belief system that forbids any kind of depictions of living forms or beings, hence a bucket. But also um, think of it, if you're in a highly arid region, any kind of a device that could carry water would be highly valuable. Uh, the best place to find the constellation of Aquarius is in the southern hemisphere during winter. It's considered to be one of the oldest constellations, and it's actually kind of hard to find unless you know exactly what you're looking at, or if you have somebody more knowledgeable pointed out at you. Um, chances are you might not see the figure of young Ganymede in the stars, but once you're able to kind of uh, play connect the dots a little bit, you'll recognize his head is kind of on the right side with one arm by his side and his legs slightly bent. Um, it does take a little bit of imagination to be able to envision these constellations as anything more than just, you know, dots in the sky, but um, that's what the ancients had to do, and before Netflix, they had the stars. As I mentioned previously, Aquarius is also ruled by Uranus, so I, I really feel like it's important to talk about this planet because it's so interesting. Uranus was officially discovered by Sir William Herschel in 1781, and Uranus turns on his axis once every 17 hours and 14 minutes, and that's Earth minutes. Uh, it takes 84 years to take one trip around the sun for Uranus, and so consequently it takes 84 years for him to travel throughout all the signs in the zodiac. So last year when Uranus entered Taurus, it was a big deal. 
it's a big deal whenever Uranus enters a new sign because aside from Neptune and Pluto, it's the slowest moving of the planet, the outer planets. Um, of course, Neptune and Pluto are slower moving, but um, if we're lucky, Uranus will make an, a complete revolution in our lifetime, meaning that you live to be 84 years old. It's also referred to as an ice giant because it has the coldest temperatures of any planet, and it's also really big. Um, it also has 27 known moons divided into three groups, and maybe most notably, Uranus rotates on its side. And I think this might be where that Aquarian ad sense of adventure and um, wanting to walk the beaten path comes from, because... I mean, Uranus doesn't it doesn't dance the dance the way everyone else does, so it's just going to be a more interesting planet and more unique and quirky energy to work with. Let's go over the high vibes and the low vibes of Aquarian energy. Let's start out with the low vibes. Aquarians famously can come off as cold or cold-hearted, and my theory on this is that this harkens back to the temperature of Uranus. It's the coldest planet in the solar system. So I think that bleeds over into the energy that the people closely connected to that planet will manifest in their personalities. My rising sign is Aquarius and I, <laughs> I'm i a little but not so very, very ashamed to admit that I've been called cold once or twice in my life. A negatively vibing Aquarius may have dissociative tendencies or come off as being really detached as well. They're also eccentric. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing personally, but again, uh, I am kind of an Aquarius in a lot of ways. So I, um, you know, weird is never a bad word in my vocabulary, but other people who have more traditional values, <coughs> earth signs, Capricorns, um, will maybe not be so on board. Um, and by eccentric, I mean like plaids with polka dots and stripes, face tattoos, unibrows, day glow. You get the idea. Nothing is too weird for an Aquarius. On the higher vibrational side, um, they're not one for going with the flow. Aquarians like to make up their own mind and stick to it. And I think that this can come off as being obstinate in some ways, but also this is how they come up with all those new ideas and they really blaze new trails. That detachment I mentioned also makes them great at analytics. They're like super brains for absorbing information and going through all those data points and making sense of it all because they're not emotionally involved in the play-by-play. -play. They look at the cold hard facts and they make the calls based on that. And that can be a huge asset. Aquarius is an air sign, which makes it all about the realm of ideas. So it likes its facts before it makes a decision. And they're full of original thoughts. If you had to pick some topics for an Aquarius to be interested in, I would guess on technology, science fiction, and flying. Um, and I know from my own personal experience that I have never been quite as inspired as I am while I'm on a flight. Um, I don't know what it is about looking out the window at the clouds or um, the excitement of going to a new place or maybe a familiar place, but going back and seeing familiar faces. Uh, that can just really get those creative juices flowing. And so if you're looking to impress an Aquarian, um, keep those things in mind. They also like like 
avant-garde art and they love being creative in general. So painting, sculpture, uh, and writing, anything where something is coming down from the ether and being created through manifestation is in the realm of an air sign and especially the super creative trailblazing Aquarius. Let's go ahead and jump into these new moon in Aquarius transits. As always, new moons are a time of a blank slate, an astrological refresh, if you will, and a time to spend in gratitude and perhaps to ask universe for that which you most deeply desire and know is truly yours on some level, but perhaps you need a little help manifesting it in this dimension. The new moon occurs a little later in the day, right after a Uranus sun square, which is a challenging and very harsh and unpredictable by nature transit. It's an interesting uh, aspect though, since Uranus rules the sign of Aquarius. So if you're an Aquarius sun, moon, or have any planet positions at eight degrees or within five degrees of eight degrees on either side in Aquarius, you might feel this new more this new moon more intensely than other folks. Um, and by this, I mean, you can feel anxious, you can feel uh, overwhelmed, you can feel the the need to address something that's just burning on your mind and get it out in the open. And it might not be something other people. It might not be something that other people can see coming. Um, so it might just sort of burst out from you unexpectedly. And I don't really know exactly what that will be for you because it depends on where uh, both the sun and Aquarius fall in your natal chart, but also in your transiting chart. Um, so if you would like to get a one-on-one -on -one reading, I'm available for that. Just go to the website bloodmoonmilk.com and book a one-on-one -on -one session. I'll be happy to talk to you about that. But I wanted to talk about this sun square or this Uranus sun square because it's um, it's right before the new moon, which means one of two things. And I'm kind of interested and curious to see what this like actually sort of plays out as for people. So get in touch with me on social media. I'm on at Blood Moon Milk on Instagram, um, and that's the best way to reach out. But let me know if you're feeling like weirdly anxious and um, sort of like you need to make a statement about something that's just burning on your mind um, because I know I've been feeling it, but I'm curious if other people are too. But really why I'm wondering is because the moon, it occurs before the new moon, which means it's really at the waning moon when this happens. So either it's going to be a big, big, big deal and it sets us up for another 12 months of like anxiety and, uh, hopefully not that, um, and like these sort of harsh, like unpredictable occurrences in the realm of Aquarius uh, and Uranus, but, um, or because it's right before the new moon and that energy is still like ebbing away, um, it might not be that big a deal after all. Um, new moons typically tend to be the quietest time of the month. It's very calm, chill, peaceful energy because it's a, it's a time for resetting things. Um, so it'll either like just be this little blip, like, oh, I had this thing in my mind, but it was able to sort it out and it was sort of unexpected the way it sorted out. Or it, it could be the other one where it just sets us up for 12 months of crazy, unpredictable challenges that just fly at us from out of the blue. Um, I'm hoping it's 
you know, the one where it's really not that big a deal and it just kind of goes away on its own. Um, but let's look at the other planets and see if there's any other big aspects happening during this new moon. Um, we've got the sun in Aquarius, of course. It is Aquarius season. Mercury is joining the sun, as he is like to do. Um, Venus is already in Pisces, which makes us a little bit more emotional than normal, um, or just opens us up to those f like flowing rivers of emotion that um, like Pisces is so well known for. Mars is about halfway through his journey through fiery Sagittarius, and Jupiter is in Capricorn along with Saturn. The moon will be square Uranus and Taurus, as I mentioned, and the moon will be semi-square to Neptune in his domicile of Pisces. And last, but definitely not least, little Pluto is also still in Capricorn. Let's take a little music break, and we'll come back and look at those full moon and Leo transits. This is Aircatcher by 21 Pilots.
try to avoid those eyes But now I'm here to give you words as tools that can destroy my back to talk about that full moon in Leo, the opposite sign from Aquarius. So the full moon will occur in February on February 9th at 3, 33am at 20 degrees in the sign of Leo. So the notable transits and aspects that are surrounding this full moon are um, just a couple that I think are really interesting. So Juno, the asteroid that represents our approach to marriage and commitment, will have just turned retrograde in the sign of Libra the day before the full moon, so don't be surprised if you're having second thoughts in regards to revisiting a sense of balance in your committed partnerships, relationships, or romantic, rom- blah, 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 blah. romantic entanglements. <laughs> um, Right now, you might be looking backwards to see what you can learn and wouldn't be surprised if exes, folks from the past, popped their heads up again because there might be something you didn't take away from the first time around with them. Um, That doesn't mean you need to get back together with them. That just means that there's something you can take away to help your path moving forward be a little bit more smoother in the future. Uh, Mercury will be in Pisces, and he'll be semi-square to Pluto and Capricorn, creating some friction in the realm of communications and ideas. It may be that our words or our feelings are somehow repressed or hidden in, in a way, and we must really dig deep to find what it is that we're trying to communicate correctly. It doesn't mean that you can't communicate them correctly, it just means that maybe those words aren't coming out as naturally or as free-flowing as they normally would. But this can lead to some real discoveries about yourself if you really give it a chance. Um, Just make sure that you don't fly off the handle or, um, I mean, Pluto's involved. He is the Grim Reaper after all. So don't go um, rashly ending anything just because, um, you know, you are having a hard time finding a way to say what you mean. And like my favorite advice during a harsh transit or a, a tough time at any time, and generally like throughout any any day, um, there's lots of transits happening. I mean, lunar transits really do affect our emotions on a subconscious level, whether or not we realize it. Um, but we are affected by the moon and the moon aspects, every planet, every day, almost one way or another, it's either going to be positive, it's going to be negative. Um, but it's important to kind of stick to facts and facts can be feelings. It's easy to say, or not easy, but it's more palatable to tell somebody I feel X, Y, or Z versus, attacking them and saying you never do x y and z and like blah 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 like that doesn't you're just not setting yourself up for success by attacking somebody instead just share how you feel and that just sets you up to have a more sympathetic and you know emotionally attuned conversation versus pointing fingers and blaming people And I mean, not to say there's not a time for blame 
And like there's certainly like facts are facts when people are responsible, like they need to be held accountable for things. But um, generally facts are your friends, but your emotions can also be presented as facts if that is in fact what you feel. Um, so again, back to this, uh, full moon, I think that we're going to have a difficult time kind of communicating what it is we feel and what our ideas are. Um, there just might be a block surrounding that, but that block can present us an opportunity to rethink our, our ideas. And maybe when things start to flow a little bit easier, we can have new ideas that we never thought about before. Uh, Leo is big heart-centered energy, and with the constellations ruling star Regulus being at the heart of the lion, uh, this is very much in opposition to Aquarian energy that's sort of floaty and detached and, like, really isn't super fond of emotions, um, and can feel sort of uncomfortable around big emotions, uh, so just keep that in mind. That's the sort of, like contrast and comparison that we're looking at here um this this next you know uh, aquarius season leo is also thought to be big creative energy full of leadership qualities while aquarius is very creative absolutely this is how one way in which they are 100 percent similar but instead of being at the center of attention aquarius is really much more comfortable on the phrase and the edges of society where leo really wants to be in the spotlight and leading the way but then its counterpart aquarius is out there kind of doing the scouting uh for those big social groups to find the next big thing. So Aquarius energy is really brave and um, it's really out there. But this full moon will be in Leo. So let's focus on that just for a moment. But I do want to give you these little contrast and comparisons of the signs just so you can think about them as a as like two sides of the same coin and not so, so much in opposition. Um, uh, I think it's really important to understand how these two work together. So let's run down the list of where the planets are going to be during the, the full moon in Leo. Um, the sun will be in Aquarius, of course. The moon will be in Leo in opposition to the sun because that's what a full moon is. Mercury will have moved on into Pisces, into watery Pisces, getting ready to go retrograde. So he'll be in his pre-shadow phase. Don't be surprised if communications or phone calls, emails, cars, computers tend to break down, uh, more accidents, wrecks, that kind of thing start to build up during a retrograde period. And um, fun fact, Mercury almost always goes retrograde in a water sign, at least in my experience. I don't know that I've experienced a, a Mercury retrograde where he's not in a water sign. Um, so just a heads up there, he'll be going retrograde in the sign of Pisces coming up. Um, Venus will be have, have already moved on into her... Uh, her lover Aries domicile. Um, of course, her lover is Mars, um, and Mars rules Aries. So Venus will be in Aries, where she likes to make rash decisions, and she'll be conjunct Chiron the day after the full moon. So just be on the lookout and some heads up here. Uh, there might be some uh, rather impulsive 
romantic decisions in your life or financial. Venus does rule money as well. Um, Mars, uh, Venus's lover, will be still in Sagittarius. He'll be late in the sign of Sagittarius at this point. And um, Sagittarius is, of course, ruled by Jupiter. Jupiter has recently-ish, in my mind, um, even though this was in December when it happened, Jupiter moved on into Capricorn, where things are starting to feel a lot more active in terms of government and the structures that rule our society, because Jupiter and Saturn both are in Capricorn, and we're heading towards that very exciting, highly anticipated, what is going to happen kind of big question marks on the calendar when that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction happens in the sign of Capricorn later this year. Uh, Uranus will still be in Taurus, of course. Neptune will still be in Pisces. And Pluto will still be in Capricorn. Let's take a music break. This is Explorers by The Midnight. And we'll be right back with those questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation right after this.
That is such an Aquarius song, if there ever was one. Let's go ahead and get into those questions and tips for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. But first, if you like the podcast, uh, let me know. Um, Tell me about it. Share it with your friends. Share it on social media. Um, You know, it's getting towards the end of our second season. And um, I say ours because this... I make this for the audience, you know, um, I record here sometimes with my friends, you know, who are the guests on the show, uh, but mainly it's just me in a weird little blanket fort that I make and I kind of need encouragement from you guys, uh, in one form or another. So that could be anything from you just sharing, um, you know, anything that you like about the show, um, with a friend or on social media or just reaching out and letting me know. I always like it when people say hi, or you could subscribe to the daily dose. It's my daily email newsletter that comes out. Well, almost daily. The Friday edition is the weekend edition, but there is, um, horoscopes in there for not only just Friday, but Saturday and Sunday as well. So you do have something to read over your coffee on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Um, But yeah, just let me know because um, if I don't really get much encouragement, I don't have a whole lot of a reason to keep doing the show. And I know that you guys are out there listening because I see the numbers. I mean, it's not robots listening. Um, There's, you know, thousands of you out there every month. And I would like to hear from you. I I know I haven't been posting much on social media lately. Um, I've been pretty swamped with my job, but that's a all the more reason to let me know that you like the show and you want to, you want to hear more because right now, you know, it could go either way if there's a season three, but, um, yeah, just let me feel a love and we'll see what I can do. All right. So tips for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. Aquarius is all about the unusual, the unexpected, and the off the beaten path. To some more traditional types, this can be unsettling, while to the more adventurous, this can be thrilling and exciting. Whatever your personal whatever your personal opinion, Aquarius Energy is here to shake things up and to help blaze a more humanitarian, more invented, open-minded society for everyone. Aquarius Energy helps us to detach from things that aren't really serving us. It can seem cold, but it's often cruel to be kind. Staying in an unhealthy situation or relationship or job, because it seems like they're in our comfort zone, actually holds us back. One stone for utilizing this energy and to help transitions be a little bit smoother and more calm is amethyst. I definitely recommend it for soothing that stormy energy. Detachment can be beneficial under the right circumstances. It can give you the emotional distance from a dramatic situation needed to be able to analyze the best possible outcome and course of action for you. It can give you the freedom to wander and to explore new ideas without being overly committed to something that might not be a good fit for you in the long run. During this Aquarius season, I invite you to to tap in and tune into your third eye. Meditate while focusing on feelings of floating above dramatic situations. And this can be personal to you, whatever that dramatic situation is. Imagine that you're not being directly affected by it anymore. And then 
imagine everyone's perspective who is involved in it and um, detach. Look at it from afar and imagine what it would be like if you knew everything was going to work out to be a-okay regardless of your involvement. That's Aquarian energy. It's going to do what it wants no matter what. And it's not going to sit there and feel bad for people involved. It's just going to do what it needs to do regardless of the feelings it might might run over in the meantime. So during your new moon meditation, I invite you to ask yourself how you might be more charitable and giving in your, in your life. Um, and this could be in small ways could just be giving somebody a smile when you're having a bad day. You don't really feel like smiling. Um, Someone smiled at me the other day and I didn't know the person at all, but it really just lifted my mood and it didn't cost a thing. And I know, I know, I, I mean, I hate it when people are like, you should smile. You're so much prettier when you smile. Like I hate that phrase, but once in a while, it doesn't hurt. Also along these lines, how can I give back? After all, Aquarius is the great humanitarian sign that thinks about groups. It almost is better at connecting with large groups of people than it is people one-on-one sometimes. Um, And so, yeah, connect with your social groups. How can you give back to them? How can you make their lives more joyful and help them to feel more connected to each other? You don't necessarily have to do everything. You might just need to put a date on the calendar and ask people to come to a party or, or something for somebody else. It doesn't have to be about you. It can be you doing something for other people. And um, finally, I want you to ask yourself what you think the world really, really needs. And if that seems like too much, like too big of a question for you to tackle, just ask what do you think it needs from you? Because ultimately you are the only person you have control over. And, and then when you like kind of glean what that answer might be, ask yourself how you can accomplish that. And then sort of work backwards from there. You might not have all the answers, but if you're asking the questions, you'd be surprised how the answers tend to present themselves to you. And so with that, my friends, that's it for Aquarius season. My name is Aurora. I write and produce the show. I pick the music. Um, (laughs) I love hearing from my audience. And thank you so much for listening. This is No Boundaries by the Pet Shop Boys. Thanks for listening.
yaad karta hai Come 